o'clock. It's the Jim Davis Show. I'm Jim, along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's a chance to win a bottle of Talon wine from our good friend James at Talon Winery. Things you're complaining about. Things that are stuck in your craw, rubbing you the wrong way. Maybe it's something from daily life. Maybe it's when somebody at work drinks the last bit of coffee and leaves the coffee pot there. Doesn't make any coffee. You don't drink coffee. No, I don't. I don't drink coffee. But it's I've, not I've, us. But I've heard so. It's not us. But I've heard complaints from right from coworkers. Ah, why didn't somebody make or they leave like just a little mm-hmm. bit, like not even yeah. You know, a couple of ounces of coffee in the very bottom of the coffee pot. Every once I'm, in a I'm while. saying that for them yeah, because there, there'll I, I be just a person that works here for 14, 15 years. Not a specific person, but a couple of people. And me for now, 23, that. Do you drink the last of the coffee? When have you ever seen me drink coffee? Good question. Why, why are you asking me about that? Yeah. yeah. When you, you've, how long have you known me? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen me drink coffee? No. Do you know who drank the last of the coffee? I'm not the team mom around here. Don't ask me. Who took the last Capri Sun? Right. Who ate the last orange slice? Yeah. No, we don't know. We don't, we don't, we don't use it. My so. favorite happened to me years and years ago. That in a two-minute break that we had for an event we were doing on the air, I walk out to get some water. Somebody's getting water. Drains it. Empty just spitting into their cup. They turn around and walk off, and I round the corner to where I see that it is empty. I don't have time to change it, so I get back here. Guess which one of us got in trouble for it? Not changing the water. If you had me in your pool, that was correct. You Okay, you got in trouble. Yes. Fr- because you didn't, you didn't go get any water because there was any water, right? Right. The well, person you- that was standing there in front of me drained it. Now, this person that gave me grief about it and then told someone else that I didn't change the water, watch this whole thing unfold. So. Do these people still work here? No. Both are gone. Both are gone. Good. <laughs> That's my answer to that. Yep. Good. That was a jerk thing to do on their mm-hmm. part. It's a super jerk thing. You drain the water. They know you're on the air. You have yep. a limited amount of time to, to go do that. You don't have time to grab the water bottle and wrestle it on there and neither were on air people oh okay so okay but they don't work here anymore right they don't work here, okay so i win. i that's fantastic Agreed. I love people i work with but For that's many different that's one, reasons agreed. that's a jerk thing to do to somebody mm-hmm. absolutely rat you out when you didn't have time to change it and you're not the one yeah. that drained it like i'm in there running a the game and she comes in so like, why didn't you change the water uh, I'm working. Because I'm doing something right now. One, and two, I'm not the one who emptied it. Well, that uh, they're busy. They, they're they running in and out of here all day. <laughs> and if you, if you don't have time to change the water, you think they have time to change Oh, jeez. Yep. Yeah, that was I'd, a lot I'd, of fun. I'd tell that person, you're an absolute jerk. <laughs> they were still like, don't be a jerk. Yeah. We'll move on on a wine about a Wednesday. But only airing some way. past grievances here at the, the radio station. All right, it's uh, time to talk a little CSU Rams basketball on this Wednesday morning. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth on the Jim Davis Show. 
Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams with us. Never a complaint when Brian Roth is with us. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Man, you should see the snow on the front range. It <laughs> sucks. <laughs> I like it. Brian, right out of the gate with, uh, with a little uh, wine about a Wednesday action. Yeah, we interviewed Cody Rourke, <laughs> My Life Sports Radio, a while ago. And I go to Cody, I go, so you guys getting drilled over there? And he's like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah we're getting a lot of snow over here. I'm just going to stay inside today. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a complete snow day, which means the ruffians are, are back in the old homestead all day, which means that Dad doesn't get any work done, seemingly. Ah, so the, the ruffians are on home no. campus today. That's right. <laughs> the home campus, just where I don't want them. <laughs> dad, 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 let's, let's go build a snowman. Dad, Dad. Come on, Dad's got work to do. Leave me alone for five minutes, okay? Uh, that had to be just such a, a fun game to call, the UNLV game. Isaiah Stevens, final 20 seconds, hits two threes, erases a four-point deficit. Uh, Rams go on to beat UNLV at Thomas and Mack. That just had to be a blast to call, uh, Brian, this last week. Yeah, it was. And yeah, it was a couple of desperate teams, too. You know, CSU had lost five of six going into that game, and obviously we've talked about... Some of their struggles, the loss to Air Force, obviously. You know, that's the UNLV team that opened up the season 11-0. and And we're one of the, you know, last seven undefeated teams in the entire nation. And we're, we're on the cusp of popping into the top 25. And, boy, they came into that game, and they had lost three or four. And so you had two teams that were desperate for a, for a win. But, yeah, I mean, the way the game ended, you know, it's an instant classic. Uh, <laughs> the shot to send it to overtime by Isaiah Stevens at the buzzer. I mean, the two-handed chuck from a, about 35 feet, I mean, it looked like a soccer throw-in, as you'd see uh, in a <laughs> soccer game. I mean, he threw it two hands over the head. Uh, and then, obviously, he, he knocked down a couple more big threes in the, in the overtime, including the game winner with, uh, what, three, four seconds to go. And 33 for Stevens, he was absolutely sublime. But, you know, that was a game in which Colorado State led by four with under four minutes to go and then went empty on seven straight possessions, including four turnovers. And and you really felt Rams were in, right in line to really take control at the end of the game and, and, and win that thing by six, seven, eight points. And just just couldn't take care of the basketball. Missing shots and couldn't extend in the lead. And next thing you know, you're, you're down by four with, uh, you know, 14 seconds to go and, and obviously behind the eight ball. But, you know, sometimes in Vegas you roll the dice and <laughs> – and it comes up with your numbers. So that's what happened uh, for CSU. But an absolute blast to, to be able to be a part of a, a game like that. And I know it's something that, talking to Nico Medved last night on our coaches show in downtown Fort Collins, <clears throat> he said, you know, we've been we've been dealt some, some pretty harsh luck with injuries and, and things of that nature this year. Maybe, maybe we were due for just a, a little bit of good luck to go our way. That certainly would happen. Yeah, no doubt about it. The uh, 82-81 overtime win. Isaiah Stevens hitting the jackpot in that game with 33 points, 12 of 22 shooting. He was just 8 of 16 from three-point range. This this has to be the quintessential, probably best game that Isaiah Stevens has ever played in a Rams uniform. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it probably is just because they won. Now, his career high was 35 last year against UNLV at Moby, but that was the game in which they, in which they lost. A uh, game which Bryce Hamilton for the Running Rebels had 45. So, uh, but so it wasn't his career high. But obviously the, the Rams have lost that game, and and just just watch him 
do what he did and the clutch shot after clutch shot. Now, obviously, the near half court heave at the end of regulation. I mean, that that was lucky. Let's call sure. that what it is. But but the other thirty points certainly were not lucky. Pierce Gill, and then you, know, you throw in he had nine rebounds, he had eight assists. Uh, all of a sudden, about seven minutes to go in the uh, contest, the triple double watch started. There's never been a triple double in the history of Colorado State men's basketball, and then obviously we get to overtime, and it's like, whoa, the triple-double watch is still into effect here. He didn't get to that point, but, you know, I mean, anytime you can go 33-9-8, and eight, I mean, that's something that Nikola Jokic does, right? I mean, it's, it's not something that, that college kids do, but, man, he was, he was terrific. And, you know, Jim, I think it's getting to the point now with the way that the CSU basketball team's constructed moving forward uh, where Isaiah Stevens is going to have to play like a first-team all-conference guy that he is and that he was voted in the preseason and that he's been in past years. But he's going to have to be that guy each and every night if Colorado State's going to remain competitive in the Mountain West Conference. And I think we talked about that a little bit last week on the on the show when you know the Rams lost to Air Force at home last Tuesday night and Stevens went 6-2. 22 from the floor and man just missed a ton of open mid-range jumpers that i mean that's right in his wheelhouse and and what happened rams lost and so i know that's maybe an oversimplification but but the fact remains is he's your best player he's one of the best players in the mountain west conference and and the way the roster is constructed he's gonna have to play like one of the you know top three four five players in the mountain west conference each and every night if csu's gonna gonna win a bunch of games in conference and obviously a huge challenge tonight with San Diego State. We'll talk more about the Aztecs in a moment, but you know, a couple more thoughts about the UNLV game where, where Jalen Lake and John Tanji, they, they made some some big plays to help win that game. But Patrick Cartier just continues to to be impressive. He had the first six points of overtime that, that really gave the Rams a chance to win that game in OT. Yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, going into the game, uh, the coaching staff for Colorado State really felt like UNLV was going to do everything in their power to to take away the inside with Cartier, and you know they they have some good athletic bigs as UNLV always seems to have. Uh, they have one of the best shot blockers in the league, and David Mawaka, uh, a kid that goes six foot eleven, two hundred forty pounds, and is super super long. And you know Cartier had been playing the best of all the Rams, right? I mean the previous two weeks and in conference only games, Cartier going into the game against UNLV was the leading scorer for CSU, so they really felt like they were going to have an opportunity to score in other ways against UNLV because they felt like the Rebels would try to take away Patrick Cartier, and that's exactly how it played out on Saturday night in Vegas. I mean, UNLV was every time Cartier touched the ball, running doubles at him, uh, just doing what they could to just keep the ball out of his hands in the in the first place. But he always seems to find a way. You mentioned all of a sudden he comes alive in early in overtime, and just the way that we've seen him score in the last two, three weeks, where he's just able to slip on a little back cut, slip uh, on a on a screen, uh, get loose in the paint, and then, of course, anybody that's watched CSU hoops this year knows that Patrick Cartier, even when you know he's got somebody on him, I mean, he can just go to either hand, he can turn from either shoulder, he's got a little subtle dream shake, right, the old Hakeem Olajuwon little shake, where he can just get that post defender off balance a little bit and then boom you're beat and so he's been a he's been a joy a joy to watch this year brian roth voice of csu rams joining us today rams take on 
the San Diego State Aztecs tonight. And when you talk about the Aztecs, Matt Bradley's the name that obviously comes up uh, a lot when you talk about this basketball team. But uh, uh, Jaden Ledee is a guy that at times has been a, a force for them inside. Earlier in the season, he uh, had a 37-point game uh, you know, early, you know, back in November. But uh, kind of take us through the, the Aztecs tonight, which obviously this is a, a big challenge for the Rams hosting uh, San Diego State. Well, San Diego State is the program in the Mountain West Conference. I know they didn't win the conference last year. Boise State was able to do it, but still went to the NCAA tournament. And, and look, they just reload down there. I mean, they, they have that thing so dialed in with, you know, Brian Dutcher now, who took over for Steve Fisher. And, of course, Steve and, and Brian were at Michigan and won the national championship at 89, came to San Diego State, and it just built that program up. They got a brand-new arena 20 years ago. It's the hardest place to play in the Mountain West Conference. I know the game's at Fort Collins tonight, but just in general, you look at what San Diego State is as a basketball program, and then you know they're able to recruit nationally, not just high school kids, but they're a big-time transfer destination. I mean, who doesn't want to go and play at San Diego State where you're going to play a national schedule, right? I mean, uh, early in the year, they were out in the, in the Maui Classic, right, and they're playing – against Arizona, Arkansas, I mean, the best teams and the the Blue Bloods are all going to that tournament. Well, San Diego State goes to that. And so, you know, they have a lot of things going for them. Then you you look at their roster, and, you know, you you mentioned Ladee, comes from TCU, uh, Darian Trammell, a really good guard, came from Seattle U, where he put up massive numbers in the WAC, and he's been a a dude that's been tough to stop. Matt Bradley, Conference Player of the Year last season in the Mountain West. Of course, he was a transfer from Cal, so... They get good, big-time freshmen, and again, they, they can recruit nationally. And then, man, they, they just, they, they're better than everybody else in the Mountain West Conference, and they're more successful than anybody in the Mountain West Conference when the transfer portal opens up. And then, oh yeah, they're really well coached, and they defend the heck out of you each and every year. So it's a, it's a program certainly to be admired, but certainly not one to be feared. And that's a Colorado State team that, uh, you know, believes at home they're, they certainly uh, can can knock off San Diego State here tonight, and that'd be a, a big, big win if CSU could do that. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams, uh, 8.30 for that one tonight when the Rams host San Diego State. And then uh, after uh, the Aztecs tonight, go to Laramie for that Saturday showdown with Wyoming, which is always uh, the, the border war in the hardwood between the Cowboys and the Rams. It's you know it's it, it's amazing the type of season that Wyoming's having, right? I mean, an NCAA tournament uh, team of a season ago, they returned all their key pieces and brought in what two UCLA transfers, one USC transfer, and everybody's looking at them as like, man, you see, you know, this is going to be a Wyoming team that, and they were picked for the second by San Diego State in the preseason poll. Well, Graham EK, the preseason player of the year, <laughs> he hasn't played this year. He's got a foot injury and that. They don't know if he's going to play this year at all. And they've had a few other injuries as well. And, man, I don't think anybody, Jim, could have predicted the fall off the cliff for Wyoming. I mean, they're 5-13, and and they have lost eight straight. And they're 0-6 in Mountain West Conference play. This is the team to pick second in the preseason poll. I mean, everybody had them going to the NCAA tournament this year. So it's, uh, it's been a... Real tough year for Jeff Linder uh, up there at Wyoming. and But I'll tell you this, 
I mean, that's going to be a dogfight, as it always is when the Rams and the Cowboys meet up. It doesn't matter the sports. And obviously, those two teams uh, played two fantastic games last year with both programs being NCAA tournament teams last year. So uh, it'll be a tough one, but it's just it's astounding to see the type of season that Wyoming is having this year. Nobody, even with the injuries, nobody saw this coming where they would be riding an eight-game losing skid into that CSU game on, what, January 21st, and, and have only had five wins to their credit the entire season. It's uh, certainly something to watch. Two o'clock Saturday for that one, Rams at uh, Wyoming. And, of course, tonight uh, the Rams hosting San Diego State, 8.30 at uh, Moby Arena. All right, one final thing. We all know that uh, if you've listened to this program, you're a diehard Broncos fan. And let's say you decide to go out today and make a snowman with the ruffians. Yes. Which Broncos coaching candidate would you try to make as a snowman on your front yard? Because you think that will be the next coach of the Broncos. Which snowman would Brian Roth and the ruffians make on, on your front yard? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I'd say Sean Payton if it didn't cost you know, as much capital that it sounds like it's going to cost to give to the Saints. I mean, the Rams aren't, aren't exactly flush with capital right now, are they? I mean, all of it belongs to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I've, I don't know. I just, I just want to see a competent football team going into next year. I mean, I, I'd say Sean Payton, but, man, I mean, I just don't know if you can afford him, Jim. Can you? I guess the Broncos have, have, have agreed with Mickey Loomis on what you know what the compensation's going to be, but I'm I'm with you on that. I it just seems like it's a heavy price to pay, but uh, we'll right. see if the Broncos. I mean, he's he's are, at the top pay. of the list, right? He's at the very top of the list, but you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a quarterback league. It all and it has been, and you know, I, I whoever whoever can come in and fix Russell Wilson is the guy I want coming in as the head next head coach of the Denver Broncos. Sounds good. I like that. So, yep. Who? I don't know maybe, who that is, though. <laughs> you don't know who that is, but that's okay. Well, no. uh, if you decide to make a snowman with the ruffians, you know, it doesn't have to be who the next coach is. You can just be a good old Frosty the snowman. Maybe one of Nico maybe Medved. Maybe make a Nico well, Medved snowman, snowman out in your front yard. Maybe I can make a 27-year-old Russell Wilson out there, right? I like that. There we go. That would be, that'd be great. Yes. Happy birthday, just like uh, Frosty the snowman. I can see Russ saying something like that and replace Let's Ride, perhaps. We're going to make him have to be like Frosty the Snowman. I don't know if that's a that's a good idea or not. Hey, I always appreciate it, Brian. Have a great call tonight. Uh, hopefully the Rams can come up with a, an, another big win. Hopefully it won't be quite as heart-palpitating as, as Saturday, but you'll take it. Getting a win against San Diego State would be huge for the Rams this season. I appreciate the time, buddy. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Jim. All right. There's Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams. Right, coming up, we'll talk with Chad Dare. He's the head coach of the District 51 Phoenix girls wrestling team. They just keep racking up the championships, and we'll talk with him coming up in just a few minutes. Text or call us today. It's a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine, 970-242-1340. Uh, let's see. Larry from Clifton. I wish, okay, I did Larry from Clifton. Uh, Colin, good morning, Jim and Buckeye. My wine is this snow. I can't go play in it. Blew out my knee, so I should just go back to Phoenix where I can still stream your show, enjoy the sun, and know what's going on in the valley listening to your show. Hopefully next time you hear from me, I'll be calling from Phoenix, not a rifle. Oh, and one comment. I kind of felt bad for the Chargers for some reason. I 
accept them as a division rival. I cheered for them, but no way can cheer for the Chiefs or the Raiders. Hate them both. Nice to see Tommy Boy have a bad game also. We got one final one from, let's see, from Robert. Actually got two more here. Uh, let's see. Good morning, team. If it's not DC Avero, I'd support the mighty Quinn over the bounty hunter. Please review the video of the bounty game. The hits on Brett Favre were nasty, vicious, and unnecessary. The bounty hunter did not care. What if something terrible did happen? My point is that he left himself and the team wide open to legal liability. Is Coach Payton a clear-thinking individual? Have a good day. And let's see. I mean, at some point in his tenure, Dan Quinn was talking about other stuff when there was an injured player for the other team, too. You know. So let's discount Dan Quinn as well. Yeah. And then uh, we believe this is Cash Walker's dad tied in at Maybe. Central. We feel. He is committed to cover to Mesa. That we feel very we, strongly. We did we did talk about Cash quite a bit uh, on yesterday's program. But look, thrilled that he's going to go to Colorado Mesa. Yeah. think he's going to be a great addition for Cars Tunner in that offense. No doubt nice about it. Nice little weapon. They used kind of Dagen ranks yeah, in they, that role previously. They lose uh, Dagen to graduation, and now they get a guy like Cash Walker that could perhaps uh, fill those shoes moving forward. All right, 921. Nice, sturdy young lad. Absolutely. 921, we'll take a break, and we'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Touchdown every morning. Woo! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Thanks for joining us, Jim and the Buckeye Boy, the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. It's a wine about a Wednesday brought to you by Talon Wines. If you got something to complain about, get it to us today on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line 970-242-1340. All right, we talked with Central Wrestling Coach Clint Trujillo earlier. They have a senior night uh, against Grand Junction tonight, 6 o'clock out at Central. So we continue uh, talking some wrestling. We go from the boys to the girls talking with uh, District 51 Phoenix girls coach, Chad Dare. Chad, good morning. Appreciate the time. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Morning, Chad. Uh, By the way, our conversation with Chad brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. I know that uh, we text back and forth. Your daughter, Molly, was our uh, Scotty's Complete Car Care Center Athlete of the Week uh, last Thursday. You're getting ready to go to the Rockwell Rumble in Herman, Utah this last weekend. And another team championship for the Phoenix you also had an individual champion as well, Apollonia Middleton at 135. And I know that uh, when we texted, you felt like that was going to be a really good test of where your team is right now. And uh, you passed that test with flying colors at the uh, Tournament of Champions uh, the weekend before at Vernal. And of course, last weekend at the Rockwell Rumble. Yeah, it was it was, it was a good weekend. I'm, I'm really proud of our girls and the way they were wrestling right now. They uh, were still really young and we make some mistakes here and there, but they just wrestled through that and and uh, something we talk a lot about in, on our wrestling team is just having grit and uh, having kind of a, a champion's mentality. And I think that that paid off this weekend. You had the chance, it's a back-to-back weekends to wrestle uh, in Utah. Give me the, the lay of the land, chat as far as how girls' high school wrestling is developed in that state and, and uh, where they are. Obviously, you have the, you have the best team uh, representing Colorado, best team in Utah the last couple of weekends. But uh, how much has wrestling grown in that state that you've seen the last couple of weekends? 
You know, I, I think it's growing. We saw some tough kids over there. Um, Westlake is, uh, you know, they're they're a premier team in the country. They're ranked number three in the country, and, and we were able to compete and beat them. Um, there is a little bit of a caveat there. They were setting uh, uh, two of their nationally ranked girls, but um, they're very, very strong. I, I, I think probably their upper-end girls aren't quite as tough as Colorado's, but I would say that kind of that middle swath, middle to upper-end swath of the girls are as tough or tougher. So it's, it's, it's not like it's uh, uh, an easier place to wrestle or anything like that, and it's growing. You know, they wrestle. Um, they have three divisions. We, ha- we still have one, so that makes our tournament, our state tournament, much, much uh, more competitive. Um, but, you know, we had, we had all the tough girls from Utah there, and we were able to, um, to compete with them. Chad Deer, coach of the District 51 Phoenix girls wrestling team with us, uh, referenced that Apollonia Middleton uh, won the championship at the uh, Rockwell Rumble at 135. She pinned uh, Daniela Franco of Shadow Ridge, Nevada, in three minutes, nine seconds. Uh, and I, I believe the week before, she also won a championship as well with your daughter, uh, Molly Dare, when, uh, when the team wrestled at Vernal, Utah. But uh, Apollonia Middleton with a, a really good uh, you know, cup of stretch your last two weeks winning championships. Yeah, Apple's getting better every week. She's kind of, um, she's like the rest of our team, just keeps getting better, and we keep wrestling harder in the room, and it's making her better, and it's making her wrestling partners better. Um, and, and, you know, we, we talk about um, just going out and competing and controlling the controllables, and she's doing some of that. So, um, you know, it, it, it's fun to watch her grow as a wrestler. It's, this is her second season. So for her to be able to compete with, with with girls and win a win a tournament of the caliber of, of the Rockwell Rumble is very very impressive and it's uh, um, you know it, it kind of speaks volumes to her um, level of commitment to the sport and and it's also paid off you know she she just committed to wrestle at CMU and and uh, that's a that's a very very good program in itself they're always a top three or four ranked team in the country so. For them to want her and see see the upside that she has is is really really fun. And I asked your your daughter Molly this when she was with us last week about Colorado Mesa and Travis Mercado and, and the women's wrestling program there and how quickly that program has developed into a a, a national you know contender uh, and, and and just the, the great job that that the Travis and his uh, staff have done over there that that does provide. I think additional incentive for wrestlers here in the Valley, girls wrestlers on your team, Chad, to know, hey, I, I can go wrestle at the collegiate level now. I can I can stay in town if I choose to do that and go to a team that's going to be a, a competitive team on the national landscape. That has to be such a big plus for, you know, not that every kid wants to, to go and compete in college, but for girls wrestlers, for your, your wrestlers, that opportunity is there and it has to provide a, a tremendous amount of incentive for them. Um, it, it does, uh, you know, a, a good portion of my, my wrestlers, I don't know if they're, they're wanting to go wrestle in college, but the beauty of, of women's wrestling in general and having a very, very good program right here in town is that it gives them, it gives them, they have the opportunity to do so. Um, I think I, I read that, you know, um, that, uh, Alamosa is going to add a women's, uh, a women's program. They're a very good wrestling program and, 
and Chadron State has added one, and there's a couple others, I think, that are talking about adding programs in the RMAC. And so, um, the you know, as far as college scholarships goes goes for these girls, you know, on the boys' side, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to earn a college scholarship or a place to, to wrestle in college. But on the girls' side, you know, it's, it's growing so quickly that the opportunities are there, and it's, it's kind of a, a neat um, opportunity for these girls to, you know, to have the opportunity to go and wrestle if they want to. District 51, Phoenix girls wrestling coach Chad Dare with us today on the Team Sports Network. You mentioned that Apollonia Middleton has only wrestled just for a couple of years, and, and look how far she's progressed in, in a relatively short span of time. Who else on this team has gone from never stepping on a wrestling mat to being a, a wrestler that you know you, that can go out, can place, can maybe win championships on occasion, that has had tremendous growth, Chad, tremendous progress in a very short span of time? Well, so we have several girls on the team that are kind of fit that bill. We have, we have some brand new, brand new girls on the team that are really wrestling tough and, and I think their, their future's bright. Uh, the one, the one that, the first one that comes to mind with our first year wrestlers is, um, Ayana Moncado, Moncado, Um, she, uh, she just, you know, she's lightning in a bottle. That kid is powerful. She, she's a 110 pounder. She can squat 225 three times. Um, just super power. Her hips are right. She moves right. We just need to get some mat time on her, and she's going to be very, very difficult to deal with in the next year or two. Um, you know, I, I, I see her kind of following in, in Apple's Apple's footsteps and, and really, really getting after that, you know. And, and uh, we've got a couple other girls. There's a girl um, she's not on our varsity team yet, but her name is Jimena Ortega. She moves right. She wrestles hard. She doesn't complain. She's gritty. She has she has everything that it'll take to to uh, compete and and qualify for a state tournament next year. Um, and then and then we have our girls that have been with the team for a year or two. We have Layla Casto who. Um, she was on the team the first year, but she got burned real bad. She didn't get any wrestling her first year. So for all intents and purposes, last year was her, her first year to wrestle, and, and she, um, she qualified for the state tournament, made it to the blood round. She's wrestling really tough. She's, she's given some girls that, that uh, have a lot of experience and are ranked very highly um, a lot of trouble. I think she has three losses on the, on the year, and it's two, three really – high-level wrestlers. In fact, one of those wrestlers beat her at, um, at the Tournament of Champions, and she took care of business this weekend at the Rockwell Rumble and, and, and pinned that girl. So she's making big, big strides. She's getting better and better as, as uh, the weeks move on, and, and we're really excited about her. And we're, we're excited about Molly, too. You know, she, For all intents and purposes, this is her second season, high school season, you know, she was out last year with an ACL injury, and and uh, um, she's recovered from that, and she's re- she's really starting to come on. She's wrestling well, and she's starting to turn a corner, I think. Um, and you know, we've got uh, Adelie McNeil. She's our 170 pounder. She's she's getting ready to be put on the map too. She she um, qualified for state last year, but had a, a shoulder injury that prevented her from wrestling at state, and um, 
I think that that, that shoulder is finally starting to come around, and, and she's really starting to look good. So down the stretch, I think she's going she's gonna to wrestle really well for us too. Um, it's an exciting team. I'm, I'm leaving some kids out, and not, not intentionally, but we have a lot of good wrestlers, and there are a lot of really um, bright futures for them if they stick with it. Yeah, and that's a fantastic problem to have, isn't it? <laughs> if so many kids that are talented have, have a lot of promise, you can't mention all of them in our conversation. Uh, District 51 uh, Phoenix wrestling coach Chad Dare with us. What's, uh, what's coming up next for the Phoenix, Chad? So this weekend we have a, we have a dual tournament on Friday. Um, there's 14 teams right now. I think we're going to split our, our team in half and we'll have, we'll, we'll form our JV team will be another team that wrestles in that dual tournament. And then we're hosting an, our, um, Martin Luther King, um, uh, tournament basically. And, uh, it's an individual, uh, individual tournament on Saturday and they're both held at, uh, Grand Junction Central. Uh, what are the times for those? So people want to come out and watch the wrestlers compete. The, the time on Friday, it starts at 2, and um, uh, Saturday morning, it's wrestling starts at 9 o'clock. All right, very good. Hey, Chad, I appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk more when we get closer to, to the state wrestling tournament. I appreciate the time, as always, and, and keep up the great work with the, the Phoenix. It's a team that is uh, certainly, uh, you know, girls wrestling in the Valley, thanks to you, has grown uh, very, very quickly, and we always appreciate the time. Well, thank you. I appreciate you letting us have your ears so that people can learn about us. So Very good. Have a great day. You too, Chad. Take care. Chad Deer, coach of the District 51 Phoenix Girls Wrestling Team. All right, 937. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. Text call us 970-242-1340. And it's time to take a little trip back in time with... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 1938, Grover Cleveland Alexander's elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. His 90 shutouts is second on the all-time list to Walter Johnson, and his 16 shutouts in 1916 is still a major league record. 1958, Canadian-born Willie O'Ree becomes the NHL's first black player for the Boston Bruins. 1972, the Lakers' Jerry West gets a last-second 20-foot jumper to lead the West team to a 112-110 NBA All-Star victory over the East as he nails down the MVP honor. 1973, Orlando Cepeda becomes the first player signed specifically to be a designated hitter. He signs the Boston Red Sox one week after the DH is approved. Also 1976, Pittsburgh wins the Super Bowl for the second straight year. Terry Bradshaw's 64-yard touchdown pass to Lynn Swan and Glenn Edwards' interception on the last play of the game gives the Steelers a 21-17 win over the Dallas Cowboys. Swan, four catches, 161 yards, is the game's MVP. 1992, Brad Hull scores two goals with the help of linemate Wayne Gretzky to lead the Campbell Conference to a 10-6 win of the Wales Conference in the NHL All-Star Game. 1996, baseball owners break with more than a century of tradition by unanimously approving interleague play in 1997. Now it's gone completely. Or interleague play is here. The definitive it's, leagues are gone completely. Yeah, they're really... DH... They, Balanced schedules are back. I mean, we have the American League and the National League, but eh. it's it's kind of like it's the, like the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, and NBA, or the AFC and the NFC. Mm-hmm. Everybody plays everybody now, and so yeah. it's no Campbells the, and Wales conferences. That's exactly for sure. Exactly, the Adams Conference, the Coon and the Landis conferences, <laughs> leagues is what they should do. 
Also, uh, one final in 2004. New England earns their second trip to the Super Bowl in three seasons by defeating the Colts 21 to 14 in the AFC Championship game. Eagles fall one short, one short of the Super Bowl for the third straight year. They lose to Carolina 14 to three. Both teams never got <clears throat> back again. Yeah, it's a they both made it the next year. They played each other the next year, the Patriots and Eagles, and then played each other again. And then 2005, Earl Boykins breaks the NBA record for points in an overtime, scoring 15 of Denver's 21 points as the Nuggets beat Seattle 116-110. to 110. The five foot five guard, the league's smallest player, broke the record of 14 overtime points set by Butch Carter of Indiana against Boston back in 1984. And that's this day in sports history. Yep. Coming up next... Some of your text on a one about a Wednesday with Talon Wine and Garbage Time on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The Team. Welcome back in. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. It's a Wanna Better Wednesday with Talon Wine. Get something you want to share with us today, get off your chest. Text or call us 970-242-1340. Interesting piece in The Athletic today about Coach Prime. And basically it pulls back the curtain on the process that Rick George went through to get Deion Sanders to come and coach the Colorado Buffaloes. And Rick George... Just have a video of him driving a Brinks truck to (laughs) Jackson, Mississippi? (laughs) I'll be there in a day or two. Coach Prime, just hold on. Just hold on. That uh, Riding shotgun, doesn't have a CDO. (laughs) That Deion Sanders had had contact with, with Rick George about the job. And the, the Rick George sitting in a second floor conference room at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. He was there with the college football playoff committee because he's one, one of the members of it. Mm-hmm. And they're putting together the final top 25 and the, the bowl matchups for the New Year's Six and all that. So Rick George was was busy with that, but he also had something else probably equally as important to him on his mind. And that was... Is Deion Sanders going to be the coach of the Colorado Buffaloes? That's how Ohio State got in. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, whatever. yeah, whatever. I'm on the phone. I don't care. I'm busy. Coach Prime, you coming? I don't care you put in. Yeah. Color, Colorado, go ahead and put the buffs in. Yeah. No, okay. well, I don't Colorado care. State, I don't care. Put them in. Anyway, that he, Alabama, I don't care. Put them in. But anyway, Deion Sanders you know, was wrapping up his second consecutive Southwestern Athletic Conference title with Jackson State, and Sanders had talked with Rick George earlier that week with a simple message. He called him with the simple message of, I'm coming. I made George feel a little better because it had been two months of searching for a head coach. But Rick George made this comment. You never know if he's coming until he's actually coming. Until the press conference. He's there at the podium. He's right. He was right about that. Because it could have very easily been a situation where Deion Sanders gets called by somebody else. And he goes, sorry, Rick. 
Now, two months earlier, Colorado, they had made a trip to Arizona. Buffs were 0-5 in those two months earlier. They were losing by an average of 29 points per game. Carl Durrell went to 4-13. And and the writing was on the wall. Jeremy Bloom, who we've had on this program before, he told The Athletic, a former Colorado Buffs star, this program is flatlined. There wasn't even a heartbeat. As a former player, as an avid fan, it's been sad to watch this thing. And so for Rick George, he had to make a change. A program that had won 26 conference titles in the past now was not the least bit competitive in the Pac-12. And so from the get-go, Deion Sanders was a candidate. But Sanders had interviewed TCU before they hired Sonny Dykes. South Florida, Georgia Tech had also shown some interest in Deion Sanders as well. And Sanders was going through a 23 and 3 run in the final two of his three seasons at Jackson State, including 16 and 0 in conference play. And they also he had managed, and this thing probably was as impressive as the record, was that an FCS school, they ranked 67th nationally in the 24 7 sports talent composite, higher than five Power Five programs and more than 60 spots higher than any FCS program. So it showed to Rick George that Deion Sanders knows how to get talent. Wherever he's at, he's going to get talent. He flipped Travis Hunter, top-ranked recruit, class of 2022. Got him to flip from going to Deion's alma mater, Florida State. And so, from the get-go, you read the article... That the, the really the target was Deion Sanders. Did they interview other people? Sure. But Sanders was the guy that Rick George wanted because of the ability, to, obviously, to, to coach a winning football team, but the ability to bring talent in even to a place like Jackson State, an FCS program. And Jeremy Bloom played, played a role in trying to get Deion Sanders there that he called Sean Merriman. Remember, lights out, San Diego Chargers linebacker. That's right. Myron Roll, who is a friend of Sanders. Those guys... Ravens together? uh, Samari Roll's his father. I think Myron, I think, might have been the Ravens before he left to pursue... I can't remember what, if he would pursue a medical career or... Uh, um, they knew each other from Florida State, probably. Florida State, yeah. Since Myron played at Florida State. Yes, I don't think he played in the pros, did he? Uh, he played, he was drafted by the Titans. Played there for a couple years. Steelers practice squad guy. Yeah. So they know each other from Florida State. They're, you know, from the the college connection. Mm -hmm. And that Bloom said that he reached out to people like, like Brandon Marshall that you know, the the Brandon Marshall that yeah played wide receiver for the Broncos, that Sanders and him were friends, that he reached out to people that, that Dion knew and trusted. And Bloom helped to sell the buffs. Jeremy Bloom in this article probably deserves as much credit as Rick George because he reached out to people that knew Dion and said, you need to go to Colorado. 
it's going to be the place where you're going to find the support and the opportunity to take your coaching career to the next level. And it's funny, too, because we heard from Jeremy Bloom. It's like, I put these two together, and we're like, okay. Sure I, you did. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I believed him. Yeah, but how much? But it was one of those things that's like, ah, okay. Taking, taking a lot of credit, you know, the whole thing. And then it comes out more and more that, no, he actually put these two in touch. And you're like, oh, we did Yeah, they played a, a very significant role. And Deion Sanders coming to Colorado. So tangentially, we helped too since Jeremy Bloom's been on this show. Sure, I'm with gonna the, cla- I'll the, claim it. With I don't the care. one time called his game against Miles Cochaber. Yeah, Loveland Fruitland Monument State He's Championship the football. Fastest game. human I've ever seen run in person. Dude could fly, no doubt yes, about that. Could. All right, so check it. I've got the athletic. It's an interesting piece on how it all came together to get uh, Coach Prime. Mm-hmm. To Folsom Field and Colorado. And I've uh, done some of the research here. Deion Sanders was a Baltimore Raven 2004-2005. 2005 teammates with Samari Roll, the cousin of Myron Roll. Yeah, cousin. I'm sorry. I might have said yes. father. Cousin. Also, Antrell Roll is another cousin who didn't play with uh, Dion, but was in the NFL. And former Ohio State Buckeye Brian Roll. That's neither here nor there. Thank you. I'm glad you did that quick, quick yeah. research on that. All right, media is a lovely thing. Nine fifty two. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right, Georgia quarterback Stenson Bennett. I responded via Twitter yesterday to some criticism he received over his behavior at the championship parade on Saturday. Of course, he led the Bulldogs to a 65-7 to thrashing of TCU for a second straight national championship. And uh, George held a parade in Athens on Saturday to celebrate that championship. Some people did not like the way that barely Stetson Bennett was behaving. The 25-year-old they thought that he was well, being kind of belligerent. And Stenson Bennett tweeting that he's done with the media. He totally swerves. Okay. He said that, yeah, they said he's done with the media, did not participate in the press conference for the the winning team the day after the game. He ignored uh, a reporter while being on his phone. And Bennett also said Saturday that, that he was most proud of proving the doubters wrong. So this is from Channel 2 Action News, official station of the Bulldogs. Bennett appeared to spend much of the parade looking down at his cell phone instead of interacting with fans. Okay, that was the belligerent behavior, apparently, yeah. that he... It wasn't belligerent, he was just because I saw this as poor behavior, belligerent behavior. He just ignored mm-hmm. everybody, which... Well, okay, if you don't like the media, that's fine, Stenson Bennett. Just playing some tunes is what he said. How about, though, wave to the fans a little bit? How about acknowledge the fan base that, that loves and adores you? I get it. The The media doesn't like you. don't like the media. You think the media has it out for you. They didn't believe in you, blah, 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 blah. But how about dogs fans that actually were behind you and, and, and love the fact you led them to two national championships? I mean, if you're 
butt hurt that Stetson Bennett didn't wave at you. You kind of need to grow up a little bit. But but how about though? Does it does it does it kill him to to wave at people a little bit, smile, be happy that you're there? I mean, for the fan, what do the fans do to him? Now it doesn't say that he refused to acknowledge anybody on the entirety of the parade. And I don't know about that. It I, just says that he was looking down at his phone some. If he did it for a minute, okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know the whole don't know, thing here. But I mean, if he did it though, if he did it for a minute or two, I don't care. If he did it the entire parade route, yeah, that's that's kind of. I still classic. don't care. I I really don't. I just think that's kind of one of those. I just think it's a classless thing. I don't think it's made, doesn't he doesn't need to be thrown in jail for it. I'm not saying that. Just how about have some class? People are honoring you for winning a national championship. Does it kill you to smile and wave for a couple of blocks? Probably not. I just don't think it kills you to be nice. Does it? No, I'm not saying he wasn't nice. If he's not waving to people, that doesn't mean he's a jerk. It just means he's not waving to people. Anyway, that's our show. Back tomorrow.